Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to A Good Football Show. I am Matt Straup. It is Thursday, May 26th, and today we will be breaking down some recent offseason news on CeeDee Lamb, Naheem Hines, and others, and how it does or does not impact their fantasy outlook, plus some late May ADP surprises. A few players with draft positions we were maybe not expecting. I'm joined by Pat Corain, Lawrence Jackson, and Kyle Dvorak. And guys, I think we have to note off the top, our colleague Pat Doherty is not here today. This is actually the first... Thursday episode of the show he has ever missed. Please don't double check me on that. It's 100%, 100% factually accurate. He is listed as day-to-day due to draft guide obligations. I get the sense he's pretty deep in this thing. So I want to check in with you guys. How is morale and uh, how swamped are you three with draft guide duties? Kyle, let's start with you. How are things? I think the perfect way to describe how I feel is that when you started off, it was something, something, welcome back, guys. Uh, today, we'll be breaking down. And I thought that was the end of the sentence. I was like, yeah, no, that's it's about time for me to have kind of a, just a complete collapse, right? Go to It'll a real all-time down. low. Uh, no, the draft guide's good. We're close to wrapping content, so it's, it's not too bad. But I did think you were saying we were breaking down, you know, mentally. Yeah, we had a, a big deadline uh, on Tuesday. And, you know, I've had sometimes when you've got like multiple deadlines, we had one big deadline for the articles. We've got another deadline coming up for some like kind of player blurb stuff. When you have that like multi pronged deadline situation, it's hard to get back on the horse for the second deadline, isn't it? You know, after after Tuesday, I was like, we did it. I have noticed this. This is an experience I can I can attest (laughs) to. So uh, today I got the got the message saying we're thinking this for the dynasty rankings. I was like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah, the dynasty rankings. (laughs) <laughs> so you know next tuesday another deadline it, it might be a late night our uh like part-time blurber in the sense that he can just he's jack of all trades uh ray who also is kind of the content manager will message me and be like so how, i just want to check and see how this is going be like oh that's just going be great crushing it me like opens word doc and starts the thing he's asking me about all the time every single time it is a hundred percent like that. And I also am like, I'll get it to you early. I'll have it done. And then like midnight before the deadline, I'm like, here you go, Ray. You're welcome. There's reports that, you know, Trey Lance, his finger is in the best shape of his life, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, with us working on this here uh, draft magazine, you know, mine are needing a rest right now for, you know, doing all that there typing, yeah. you know? Well, be careful, Lawrence, because, you know, Trey Lance suffered that injury in the preseason and it wasn't right all year. So you do got to take care of your fingers. Exactly. So, you know, that now we got to get the little rest, you know what I'm saying? I got to be ready for training camp. Yeah, I saw. Well, we're going to get to ADP surprises in a bit. But first, we want to hit some recent fantasy news. We're not going to break down that fantasy news anymore, Kyle. We're going to hit it uh, on your behalf. And let's start in New Orleans, where head coach Dennis Allen said, Michael Thomas is, quote, doing well in his rehab, end quote, but is not ready to return to the field. Lawrence, does this set off alarm bells for you? Because it certainly does a little bit for me. Just I, I, I already feel worried here. Where are you at with this? I'm a little worried too because it's been so long and we just have not had like a definite answer. Like yeah. it seems it well, not seems like it has been two seasons and and counting. Yeah. So and we still don't know from that two seasons ago what exactly is wrong with Michael Thomas. So for all that time to pass and you know, them to say, we don't know when he's going to be ready, but it's going well. It's just like, 
Uh, it's kind of what we we've been heard. We already heard this already. So it's like, and then when it comes to like actually ranking him, it's that that that's a hard thing to do as well because like you want to rank him what by what his talent is, but if you don't know what week he's expected to show, whether it's training camp, right. uh, week one, week six, you know that's a that's a wide range right there. So it definitely leaves some question marks. Yeah, it's tough with him like because we're talking about an injury that affected him in the 2020 playoffs, right? Like that's that's like the timeline of this injury right. and then it affects all of last season but there's questions about like, you know, is he okay with the team? Is is that maybe what's really happening here? But that stuff was kind of put to rest in in this offseason. So if he's missing time now, it does have me worried that this mm-hmm. is like a health concern that he's still not hundred percent, which if he's not hundred percent now, when will he be? Yeah. Not ready to return to the field. 16 months. I think 16 months it's been Kyle, since we've seen this man play in an NFL game. Are you, are you sharing the same uh, kind of ominous feeling here? Yeah, I feel incredibly anxious whenever like you see Michael Thomas falling below ADP and you're like, I want to do it. I want to be the guy who gets like James Winston's number one receiver should be a very You want to be the type player. of guy who drafts Michael Thomas, just kind of living moment to moment. <laughs> I want to have that that yeah, that bravado, that that charisma yeah. that's like, I want James Winston's number one receiver. And Michael Thomas, even though he wasn't really used this way during the Drew Brees era, is also great on the deep ball. He's just a phenomenally talented receiver, but your hands get sweaty. The phone starts slipping like a like a bar of soap in the shower. And you're like, I don't know if I can do this because like this should not be the timeline of an injury that a player yeah. comes back from and dominates from. You just don't see players miss this much time and return to their form, really. So yeah, I very much share the like, this is seems like we could have reached, could have reached the end of the line of peak Michael Thomas years ago at this point. Yeah, he's now 29 years old. Let's head to Dallas, uh, where we're talking about a receiver on a very different trajectory. That is word that is that CD Lamb, according to himself, grew half an inch and added 10 pounds of muscle this offseason. Now, clearly earth shaking stuff, I know, but let's let's just use this as an excuse to talk about Lamb's outlook. Coming off a year where he put up 79 receptions, 1,102 yards, six touchdowns, our most recent blurb on him called him a, quote, cinch first-round fantasy pick. Crane, we'll start with you. I want to get your thoughts here. And also, does this news qualify as a best shape of his life situation? Of course. I mean, he's literally saying he grew. He grew in half an inch. The funny thing to me about this report is that he says he grew, he he gained 10 pounds. And then it, the picture associated with it is like the skinniest receiver I've ever seen. So it's like, did you lose 15 pounds and then gain 10 back? This doesn't seem like uh, he really put on a ton of weight this offseason. But I don't. I, I didn't write the, the cinch first round blurb because I'm actually getting a little bit uh, queasy about his his ADP at the moment, which is kind of like in the late first, early second. Okay. Um, I get it. I mean, he's a talented receiver. He's going to see a bunch of targets, but he has yet to really deliver on the superstar kind of pedigree that we we thought. Uh, he had the chance to develop into a superstar, mm-hmm. and he has not. His sophomore year, I thought, was a bit of a disappointment. He was not always on the field in two wide receiver sets, and Mark Cooper playing over him on the outside. He was playing uh, in the slot at times. It looked like once Cedric Wilson was manning the slot full time, that CeeDee Lamb was actually almost playing a little bit out of position to be on the outside, that, he, that maybe he's better in the slot. All of that makes me feel a little bit nervous about selecting him where he's going, especially when there's receivers in the late second and early third that I think really are superstar level talents. AJ Brown's going there. Tyree Kill's going there. T. Higgins is going there. There's lots of guys. Debo Samuel falls in that range now. Like, there's lots of guys that I think are like true stars that you can get like 12 picks after him. So I like CeeDee Lamb, and I think much easier to paint the picture where he has a huge target share this year because of the lack of target competition. Michael Gallup not starting the season fully healthy, et cetera. But in terms of a pure bet on talent, it does feel slightly rich. I think I'm a little more bullish on him being a superstar. He, he's not AJ Brown yet, but like over 2,000 yards by the age of 22 is something that I think maybe like a dozen or so players have ever accomplished. Uh, and now, like you said, he has, I don't know what we'll see from Michael Gallup at the beginning of this season. I don't know if really, it's not what we'll see, it's if we'll see him. And then no Amari Cooper, like he's going to be running with like James Washington and, and Jalen Tolbert or whatever. I, I'm 
more confident that he can be a superstar. But I think the thing you mentioned that's most important is the price. It, it already seems to be baked in. I'm fine taking mm -hmm. him where he's going, but I can't get excited to see him having some upside relative to his price just because there are superstars that we know are superstars, maybe in lesser situations, right? I think I would take the number one receiver on Dallas versus the number one receiver on Philly, but we have more of a, a certainty of A.J. Brown being a stud receiver than we do with C.D. Lamb. So, yeah, I think I'm a little more bullish than you, but it's almost splitting hairs. I'm comfortable taking him at his price, but it's not like in previous years where I'm like, he's a value, got to gobble him yeah. up. It seems like the market has sort of figured out that already. Part of it is a little bit of a tilt for me because if he was going at like, you know, if he was the two or the, yeah, like the 212 or like the 302 or something, I'd be hammering him. So part of it's like, I, he's not going where I want to just load because I would love to load up on CD land, but he's going in a range of the drafts where I, you really have to think about it. Yeah. And honestly, I don't even know why he had to bring up his little, uh, you know, half inch that he grew at age 23. As like, I don't know who he's trying to impress. He's the guy in Dallas anyway. <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah, impressed. Yeah. First off, he didn't grow. Maybe his hair grew half an inch because I, like, I know about that life yeah. too with the dreads. <laughs> Maybe the dreads grew a half an inch. You know, the muscle, you know, that's cool too. But none of this should affect uh, where we draft C.D. Lamb. Again, like right. you said, uh, Pat, there's other guys um, around that range, maybe around behind that that I'd rather take at that price, like a Tyreek or a T. Higgins. But on, on, on the flip side, like he's he's the dude now. And um, I think a lot of people last season had him ready to break out as a top five to seven receiver. Um, and I think that's why it seemed like a disappointment. So um, the fact that he's been able to get uh, over 2,000 yards his first two seasons, like Kyle just mentioned, that is good. But I think what we're looking for now in year three, when we know he's the guy, we're looking for closer to great right now. Pat, would you take A.J. Brown straight up over him? Say this is one of those things where like, no, because I, I know I can get A.J. Brown sometimes in the third. But like if, the, if their ADP were the same, if I was in one draft and the ADP was the same and I know I'm only going to get one, I would take T. Higgins over him. Did a lot of twist in there, Pat. It is a lot of spin. This was... Uh... If I'm only getting one, I want T. Higgins. That's hey, that's look, not that that T. much. T. Higgins for yeah. life, baby. Lawrence, going back to what you said a minute ago about the growth. Now I'm thinking about that in the context of what Corrine said about the weight. Like maybe he lost 15 pounds and gained 10. Maybe the the half inch gain is he cut his hair short and then it just grew back. Maybe that's all <laughs> we're maybe that's all we're talking about here. In that context, and he ain't lying in. I will say, it's, as someone, I think I'm only like a year and a half or maybe two years older than him, and I'm not that tall. In fact. The, the promise of still being able to grow even a half an inch at roughly my age, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say my age, I, I want to believe him. Personally, I would love to think that there's still something left in the can for me. Kyle, you seems... just got to cut your hair and just start quaffing. I think that's your only chance. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The next news item we're going to hit comes out of Indy where Frank Reich said on Wednesday, quote, if I was a fantasy owner, I'd consider drafting Naheem Hines, end quote. Now, Hines unbeknownst to Frank Reich, was the RB71 and half PPR points <laughs> per game last season, according to our blurb, after being the RB31 one year earlier. So, Kyle, is Frank Reich trolling, or is there some validity to this whole Heinz bounce-back narrative with Matt Ryan now as the Colts quarterback? You know, I'll just say it's a good thing Frank Reich isn't a fantasy drafter because he, he wouldn't do well. Although maybe it's a bad thing because I'd love to draft against Frank Reich. And he'd love to coach against me. He is not like, this is not his realm of expertise. We hear coaches say all the time. Like, I remember a time where Tavon Austin was a, a shoe in. I, it was probably Jeff Fisher who said this was for 100 catches. And Bruce Arians always talks about his running backs right. getting 30 carries and 10 catches a game and 100 touchdowns. And uh, you know, I just isn't that kind of player. And he, uh, do I think he could maybe bounce back a bit? Sure, but it's not like the Colts were a complete like dead zone for running back production, even as pass catchers. They were like 13th in running back targets last year. And Carson Wentz, he doesn't throw to running backs a ton, but Miles Sanders was top 20 in back-to-back -back seasons in terms of top 20 in targets, with mostly Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts finished out that final two, final season. So it's not like they never would consider throwing to running backs. It's that Hines is a one-dimensional pass catcher. They can throw to Jonathan Taylor, and we've seen the peak of Hines. So he was at a career-low target share last year. Sure, maybe that bounces back slightly, but to want him on my fantasy team, no. And I don't think the team would really trend towards throwing to the running backs either. They drafted a receiver and a tight end, and then they trade for Matt Ryan. Like, that is not, you don't do these things when you're like, all right, we've got everything assembled. Now let's have the quarterback we trade for 
throw to the running backs a bunch. That's something anyone can do. I assume I'm not an NFL quarterback. So no, I, I 70, whatever, 71st in fantasy points per game. Maybe he bounces back from that, but that sounds about right. I'm a little bit more bullish. I mean, I think he makes sense in, in kind of zero running back type builds, or, you know, if you're doing one early running back and you, you kind of need someone to help fill in um, more for best ball. I mean, where you're, you're just looking for guys who can help fill in some of those weeks as you're kind of waiting for some of you, like your more contingent plays at running back to, to hit. I think he makes sense. One thing with the Colts and the quarterback change is that they really went away from the pass in some suboptimal ways uh, as the season went on. I think because they just felt so out on Carson Wentz, they weren't passing as much on first and 10. They were passing less overall. They kind of became like a shell of what their plan had been to start the season. And I think Matt Ryan will be good enough to where they're probably calling a, a bit more passing plays and that type of stuff. So if we're getting like more passing plays on first and 10, we probably should see some more checkdowns and stuff. But, you know, a, a lot of those will go to Jonathan Taylor. Like it is tough with nine minds because you're like, is he going to displace a bunch of routes for Jonathan Taylor? He shouldn't. You know, you'd be much better off having Jonathan Taylor out there. And he doesn't have a ton of contingent value. If Jonathan Taylor misses time, they're not going to just turn it over to Hines. So, uh, yeah, I think probably mostly coach speak where they tend to get a bit carried away. But I do like Hines a, a bit this year. Yeah, I mean, he said I would draft him. He didn't say what round. He said he said I'll draft <laughs> Frank Reich he, is grinding like 28 that, rounds. That, 18th that, hey, round. That man said I draft Naeem Hines. He didn't say round. Yeah. So it, it could be just a little. So he, he might be saying, hey. Take him with your 16th round after your defense and your kicker take night. He could be saying anything, you know. Um, also, too, the thing about that is game script could play a lot into, you know, um, what right. Naeem Hines does. And if the Colts are going to be like we expect them to be, that'll be a lot of late game running, especially in that division in which they play in. Um, not a tough one uh, with one of the best offensive lines in football. You're going to expect them to be uh, running the ball, running the clock late in games. Uh, we have seen Matt Ryan be successful or have two successful running backs with him. Uh, if you go back to Devontae Freeman, like the jersey that Matt got right. in the background right there, Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman, you, you see that. Uh, yeah. But those those two backs were uh, closer in talent than, you know, Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines. And, and like y'all said, they're going to throw the ball to Jonathan Taylor, too. So it all just depends. Uh, like, I could see Naeem Hines having a game where, you know, he catch uh, seven passes for 78 yards and a touchdown. Right. Then everybody go pick him up. And then he don't do nothing because the coach just won 31 to 10 and they just smash him out football. So it, it, it's, it's not enough. Frank Wright saying that ain't enough to make me be like, oh, yeah, here we go. But, hey, yeah. he'll, he'll give you games here and there daily fantasy type guy right i agree with the with the dfs thing where he's a guy who can go off on any given week you just don't exactly know what's going to happen and by the way lawrence you sent me back to the quote and i reread it just now he said if i was a fantasy owner i'd consider oh, that's, drafting even, that's, even, that's <laughs> even worse he he needs yeah. that's not that that ain't even no confidence right there <laughs> He, he's yeah. a sprinkle in at the end of drafts, best yeah. ball kind of guy. You want 2% yeah. exposure, maybe three, because he's this might be a negative right. comment. Right. Like, like it's, possible. it's like, I would also consider not. <laughs> like, he low key dissing his own player. Yeah. He's probably not on my do not draft list, but. Uh, Chalk yeah, up Jonathan Taylor for another 2,000 yards. <laughs> Done. All right. Now to Washington, where we got our first update on Curtis Samuel in a while. I know everyone is really anxious for that. As he said, quote, I feel good. I feel fast. And this is coming off a totally lost season. Played in only five games. I believe only had six catches due to groin and hamstring injuries. Now, our blurb notes that he seems to be the forgotten man behind Terry McLaurin and first round draft pick Jahan Dotson. So Lawrence, I mean, can we can we muster any case of optimism here? Is there any deep sleeper potential for Samuel? Uh, in year two with Washington. Well, you know, the last hope that you have with a player like him is that he's uh, actually a good player when he played. Paris Campbell in the same situation, you know, been hurt. They just drafted a second-round receiver in Alec Pierce. So, and, you know, so Curtis Samuel kind of in the same boat. You know he could play. It's just, is he going to play? But now that you have that receiver in there in Jahan Dotson, 
that make it that make it mm-hmm. a little more shaky. It's all about training camp and competing and who's going to get that role behind Terry McLaurin. Uh, and I think, you know, both guys will get a shot. However, had Curtis Samuel, you know, not had his injury history, who knows if they even drafting Jahan Dotson. Not somebody um, I'm particularly looking at due to, you know, Carson Wentz being on, what is this, his third team? Third team in three years. Uh, Terry McLaurin, you know, he's the guy. They feed targets to J.D. McKissick and Antonio Gibson for that matter as well. So it's not something I'm like crazy excited about. I just want to see the dude play games first before I say anything. Yeah, I, I don't remember the time last year where we were jamming Carson Wentz's number three receiver. I don't remember him doing it with the number two receiver. The number one receiver was at least at times spotty. Like, of course, Pittman was good, but like Pittman didn't crush it. The number two and three certainly didn't crush it. The Colts didn't have a player that wasn't Michael Pittman go over 400 receiving yards last year. I'm not taking wow. anyone other than the number one receiver for Carson Wentz. And even then, like, you'll be frustrated at times. So I am certainly not taking probably the number three. Maybe he gets number two on the depth chart. Yeah, the, the thing with uh, Samuel that's interesting is that he kind of got pigeonholed by this coaching staff a couple different years when he was in Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was like a pure deep threat in 2019, uh, not particularly good in that role. Uh, he'd previously been kind of this like pure underneath type of guy. He actually broke out in 2020 with a different coaching staff. He was playing for Matt Rule then. So I don't actually love his fit in Washington in general. Like he seems like they they don't tend to like use him as sort of a complete guy. They tend to either treat him as a gadget guy or like a downfield guy. They've got the downfield stuff covered now with Terry McLaurin and um, Jahan Dotson mm-hmm. and Deami Brown and Cam Sims. Like kind of all their receivers are guys that kind of are outside downfield type wide receivers. So my guess is that Samuel's probably playing a lot of slot snaps, getting some like underneath type of stuff. And that doesn't sound very good as with Carson Wentz. I think the only thing he really does well is kind of chuck it deep. So uh, I'm not really interested. And it, it does make me less bullish on Jahan Dotson, although I was already not very bullish on him. Yeah, you guys legitimately have me fully terrified of this commander's passing game after that little discussion. Uh, one more <laughs> receiver-related note, and that is that Jim White of Titans.com wrote that he could see another addition before the season at receiver, I should say. Obviously, that gets us thinking of some of the available names, including Will Fuller and Odell Beckham, but mostly Corain, it gets us thinking about one of your favorite current draft targets, the rookie first-round pick, Traylon Burks. Are you even remotely concerned about this hypothetical at this point? Well, who are they supposed to add? Because they're not adding Julio Jones, They right? They just got rid of him. So... <laughs> I mean, are we talking about Odell Beckham who tore his ACL in the Super Bowl? Um, or I guess Will Fuller. Um, but that would be a kind of a weird choice by Fuller unless there's just no market for his services. So mm-hmm. I guess I'm not like Jones would be Cole the guy. Beasley. I've seen the name Cole Beasley mentioned. Oh, no. In connection well, if they sign Cole Beasley, then Traylon Burks is done. You know, they, they didn't. <laughs> they, they've already given up on their the 16th yeah, pick when they the, signed Cole that's Beasley. That's the big one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not that worried um, because I think. Beckham's probably the the most realistic guy, and it's like a some maybe. I mean, and all this stuff could maybe say more about about Robert Woods, and frankly, just the depth. Like they don't have. It's like Nick Westbrook, right. Akine, like the wide receivers. They need they need more wide receivers on this team. It's kind of like Atlanta or like the Bears, where it's like kind of crazy that they haven't brought in someone else already. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, look if if Traylon Burks is going to get out targeted by Robert Woods coming off an ACL tear. Or Odo Beckham coming off an ACL tear, he's not very good, right? But like, and that's a, that's a possibility that he's not very good. But there are a lot of reasons to think he might be very, very good. I'm just going to continue betting on on that at his current price. So those prices creeping up a little bit. He's getting to like the sixth round sometimes. Uh, so you can't you can't just completely hammer him. But yeah, I'm still going to bet on this highly productive early declare player who was extremely efficient at basically everything he did. Yeah, I like Will Fuller as a fit for this team because they don't really have, like, A.J. Brown played every role for this team. He can win short, he can win deep, and they don't have that anymore. The thing is, he could win deep really well on these sick play action. The box is crowded to stop Derrick Henry, and you just heave it to A.J. Brown. I think Traylon Burks could be that guy, but he was like, he had like a sub-10 ADOT, was like 345th in ADOT in college. It's because they were trying to get him a ton of touches, but you do think they're probably not going to load him up with the entirety of A.J. Brown's workload, and the best thing he does is get the ball and break tackles. So I don't know if they have that true clear-out guy when Ryan Tannehill goes to bomb one on play action. 
I'm not sure who that would be. I, I guess for now, it probably is Traylon Burks. It doesn't seem like that's a, a Robert Woods type of fit. So getting a guy who can do that role, I think, makes sense for the team. It wouldn't really scare me for, for Traylon Burks. Kind of like Pat said, the reason guys are around at this time of the year is they're probably not that good in the sense of there's not a high demand for their services. They're not number ones coming in. So if Traylon Burks is going to win as a rookie, it won't be Cole Beasley or Traylon Burks impeding his progress. It'll be his own doing. The ADOT stuff's also a little overblown. 9.7 uh, in 2021, 10.1 in 2020, 16.7 in, in 2019. Like, you know, he was used deep, but he was used also a lot on screens and basically glorified handoffs, sweeps, and that type of stuff. So he's actually had a higher ADOT than Drake London, for example. Yeah, he physically profiles very similarly. Uh, AJ Brown's a bit more athletic, but size-wise, they could be able to win the same way. I just think like the, this team was at best when it had a guy who could really just crush like safeties deep. And uh, they don't, I don't know if they have that guy. I'd like to see them have that guy. Also like Will Fuller might just give us 20 snaps again and, and not play. He has, he's played more than a dozen games once in his career, I think. So uh, nothing is really scaring me off of Burks right now. I think that'd be better for the team overall. If you have a guy who can get those, those fun deep shots. Like, like you said, Pat, uh, I, I feel like the best fit for them, they just got rid of him, And that's Julio Jones. This is nobody. Uh-huh. It's nobody that's gonna be. Oh man, no, can't draft Traylon Burks right here, right now. His over under uh, is eight hundred twenty four and a half yards for the season. AJ Brown touched over a thousand yards in his rookie season. We kind of looking for Traylon Burks to, you know, come into that role. I might be hitting the over on that. Yeah, and that over under that you mentioned is from our friends at Points Bet and Corrine. I just want to quickly circle back. We said about the Falcons, they did add Geronimo Allison, so I, I'm not really here to and hear Brian saying Edwards. they're not adding to that re- to that receiving room. Okay, <laughs> we're not hearing it. We're not hearing it. That's fair. We've Tough got some late May ADP surprises coming out. First, we're going to take a very quick break. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And this is just a reminder that if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet, go and download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands by predicting what will happen in the NBA playoffs, Premier League, on the PGA Tour, and NASCAR circuit. All right. You guys have each brought one player to the table. We looked up some ADPs, I believe mostly on underdog, and uh, these are ADPs that surprised you for whatever reason or stood out to you for whatever reason. So, Lawrence, we'll start with you. Who do you have? I got Saquon Barkley, man. Uh Going as a uh, third round back, you know, the price for him just get cheaper and cheaper every year. He's battled with injuries the past few years. I, you know, I guess he got the injury prone label now. Uh, let's just all remember that Dalvin Cook once held such title. Since then, <laughs> yeah. he's had three straight years where he's rushed for at least 1,100 yards and averaged over 42 catches per season in that span. Barkley himself playing in 13 games, uh, Due to injuries, uh, he he was still able to get over 40 catches. Now, you know, inconsistent play from the quarterback position, uh, inconsistent living from the coaches. They got they got new ones of those, so that should help Brian Dable coming yeah. in with his system. So I think it's a I think it's a 
fairly uh, cheap price to get uh, such a great natural talent uh, who was once the first mm-hmm. overall pick in fantasy football. Um, to get him in the third round, uh, you got to feel pretty good about that. Yeah, I think we talked about it last week on the show in reference to Urban Meyer in that we want to bet on the Jaguars because they aren't going from like bad coaching. They're going from like multiple standard deviations beyond the mean, below the mean of terrible coaching and just getting a decent coach would make a difference. I think they got a good coach. And I feel like we have the same argument to be made for this Giants team where like, oh, you're telling me that uh, the, the brain trust that was... Joe Judge, Freddie Kitchens, and Jason Garrett couldn't get the most out of Daniel Jones and a bunch of weapons. No, I'm shocked that those guys couldn't make it work. If there was a coach who I think could make it work, it would be Brian Dable. And then also getting uh, Patrick Mahomes passing uh, quarterbacks coach, passing games quarterback coordinator, Mike Kafka. I think they could have at least offensively one of the better minded teams we saw with Josh Allen. They were passing on early downs, passing often throughout. And then also Josh Allen deserves plenty of credit for this, but they did turn Josh Allen around with some help from Allen improving his accuracy in a a way that is almost unheralded. Do I think we get that from Daniel Jones? No, but do I think a massive step forward for the entire offense is if not like likely at least in the cards? Absolutely. Just looking at the coaching alone. So I want to bet on this team, at least at their very depressed ADPs, and that very much includes Saquon Barkley. And Kareem, before you jump in, I think we should note that an entire wall just fell in someone's in someone's home a minute ago, I think. Did you guys hear that? Or I, that just I heard that. I didn't know who it was. That was, that was my dog, Murphy, who likes to go. <laughs> okay. He likes to be under my desk as I yeah. record podcasts. But then, you know, sometimes he hears a bird outside. So he's also got to investigate hey. that. So, hey. Well, the worst part is we can't, like, track his listens anyway, right? So we want to get like good listener numbers, right? And dogs don't count as listens as far as like the <laughs> iTunes algorithm is concerned. So. Right, right. Yeah, it's, no, a, it's a real uh, flaw of the algorithm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think I'm like a little bit less excited about the Giants, but I do like the prices, you know? Uh, Daniel Jones is very, very cheap. Um, you can get all kind of, all the wide receivers pretty cheap. And Saquon, I like at his, at his price as well, because he did have moments last year where he looked like old Saquon Barkley. Um, and his his breakaway numbers at times were pretty decent. He did rip off some some runs where you're like, oh, yeah, you still he still got it. You know, he's still able to, to kind of have that same elusiveness that he's shown previously. His yards per hour run were way down last year, but I do think that could be uh, just kind of a, a nature of the, the poor coaching, not setting their players up to succeed. Uh, I guess I'd push back a little bit that it's like a Jaguars-level uh coaching situation because like Garrett did do some okay stuff to start the year once they fired Garrett and had they had Freddie Kitchen it it was pretty much Urban Meyer but but we do have a bigger upgrade I think I think you know Brian Dayball could be a huge upgrade compared to to Doug Peterson so Mm -hmm. there's a decently high ceiling for this offense relative to where it came from Uh, I agree I agree on that point just to finish this out, Saquon will play the whole year at age 25. So all things considered, I mean, last year I was pretty, I'm sure you guys may have been in the same place, pretty terrified of drafting him. I'm finding myself more and more intrigued. Uh, Matt, so you what, did just burn a good, uh, guess how old this guy is. Uh, ah, yes, you did. So yeah. we could, you could at least throw it to, to other Pat when we come back, but that would have been a good one. There's, I would say there's three kind of undervalued workhorses uh, in this range or, you know, potentially undervalued guys. Leonard Fournette, James Conner, and Saquon Barkley all tend to go in a similar range. Where are you guys at on on those three? Do you have Barkley as the first guy? I got Fournette as the first guy out of that trio. Fresh deal. You got Rashad White coming in, but, you know, Leonard Fournette has been amazing since joining the Bucks. So much so Mm -hmm. that they said bye-bye to your boy Rojo. But it's cool. He going to get his shot. He going to get his shot. But – we're not worried. We're not sad about that. <laughs> but yeah, I would put Fournette first there, and uh, ooh, that's tough be- between Connor and Saquon for me. But I'll go Saquon second. Yeah, Connor kind of feels like the third consensus third, maybe on that list. What do you think, Kyle? Yeah, if we were grouping these three, I feel like Fournette would be a tier above. We just saw him. He was so dominant last year. He does like, I don't care if he doesn't get 1,500 rushing yards. He does the the most fantasy impactful things. He scores a bunch of touchdowns. He's a great goal line back, and he catches incredible amounts of passes. Like, you're getting 
a mostly Saquon Barkley type of role that we aspire to see Saquon Barkley in, maybe not entirely, but close enough on an offense that it's probably the best offense, a top two offense. Whereas when I talk about my excitement for the Giants improving, it's going from being a dumpster fire team to a team that can have some good weeks is around the league average, right? That's not what the Bucs are. The Bucs are, are just a dominant offense. So I still take Fournette pretty much easily ahead of the other two. The other two are closer to me because you still have sort of an offensive edge in Arizona, but less so. And I'd be a little more concerned about like James Conner injury stuff. So I would say Saquon second, James Conner third, but those two are close. Fournette to me is kind of head and shoulders above the rest. I think Saquon has a case over Fournette in these tournament yeah. structures because Rashad White is a rookie could really be making his impact down the stretch. And you've got, you know, Saquon doesn't really have Devontae Booker's not there anymore. So Saquon's got you know, the potential to take over, you know, a, a ton of snaps. And we just saw this offense with this offensive coordinator, now head coach Brian Dayball, give Devin Singletary 100% of the snaps in a playoff game. So we could see them like really lean on Saquon Barkley snaps wise. Could you have imagined a universe a couple of years ago, a few years ago, where we would have, we'd have this conversation where we're saying we'll take Leonard Fournette over Saquon Barkley it's crazy. In, a, in fantasy drafts? That's wild. It's crazy. It's I, I, I don't know. I mean, to That's be scary. fair, to I, be I fair it, Leonard Fournette was a top five overall pick. He just paying he, the he dividends is just paying a little late. That's the Jaguar, Jaguar effect. A Jaguar top five pick isn't like a regular. You gotta you gotta put it down a little. He was he was a, he was a first round pick. We'll give him that. All right, Crane. Let's go to your uh, ADP surprise that you brought to the table here today. Yeah, for me it's Garrett Wilson. Um, I'm getting Garrett Wilson. I got him today in the ninth round uh, of a best ball wow. mania draft. I went in best ball mania draft, which was which was in retrospect not a good decision. When the puppy's going. The people in Best Ball Mania are like really invested in, in getting their Best Ball Mania drafts in and they know what they're doing. So, you know, it wasn't an easy draft for me. Got sniped left and right, but I still got Garrett Wilson outside the top 100 picks. Got him at 102. You're getting Traylon Burks, you know, with a with a two and a half round premium to Garrett Wilson. Same with Drake London. You're seeing Sky Moore going in like the seventh round. So I get Garrett Wilson two rounds after Sky Moore. I love Sky Moore, but Garrett Wilson is a better prospect than Sky Moore. You're even seeing Chris Olave go ahead of Garrett Wilson. Hmm. Garrett Wilson outgained Chris Olave last year when he was a junior, and Chris Olave came back. He had to come back for his senior year to get drafted in the first round, which I think, you know, that's that's really why we care so much about this four-year thing. It's that Garrett Wilson probably would have been a second-round pick last year. He had to come back to school to earn that first-round capital, and to while he was doing it, Garrett Wilson was playing better. To get him after Chris Olave now – I understand it's a Jets player. I understand, you know, Elijah Moore is is someone that we're betting on to break out as well. But when you look at the way they're probably going to deploy these guys, you know, once Garrett Wilson's up to speed, he's going to be playing on the outside, I think. They're talking about Elijah Moore like he's their slot receiver, which means we might not see Elijah Moore running a full slate of routes. He might be like a 70% guy. Garrett Wilson, once he's fully up to speed, could be out there all the time. I don't, you know... With, is that ideal to have Corey Davis playing ahead of Elijah Moore? No, but you know it, that's like a very plausible outcome here, where Garrett Wilson in two wide receiver sets might be competing with Corey Davis for targets, and I think he can he can win that battle. So it's not an ideal situation, but the discount that it comes with is is pretty juicy, and especially in underdog where all of these wide receivers, these rookie high end wide receivers, are priced up. I think he he has excellent value compared to the rest of the group on other sites. He's even cheaper. Yeah, the uh, Olave thing was like signing to me too. And I, I looked it up. You're like, uh, you know, so, you know, you see Olave go ahead. His ADP is one spot ahead. He goes right in front of him, which is kind mm. of insane, right? We have like, I think Olave has the chance to be his team's one, but it, it, it's solely based on Michael Thomas not playing. If Michael Thomas is back. He will crush, assuming he is back and is like physically some percentage of Michael He was Thomas his team's three last year in college. Yeah, like <laughs> we will see Michael Thomas crushing targets and then you will have a number two on a run first team not very valuable. Whereas we have a very real chance to see Garrett Wilson as his team's number one, as he was over Chris Olave last year. I think that's like the perfect dichotomy to draw is just how these players were used last year. And what's more likely that we see which one become the wide receiver one as a rookie on their own team. To me, Wilson kind of would be easily my pick to be that guy. And the fact that they go the other way, even if it's just by one pick, uh, that was, that was a good comparison to draw. And I'm kind of it fits it fits the show perfectly in fact you did your homework great that surprised me very much 
<laughs> wow, well done. Back to the homework theme, Corinne. You you aced aced the assignment. Uh, Lawrence, where where are you on this whole Garrett Wilson? Yeah, game? so for me, uh, with Garrett Wilson and these uh, Jets wide receivers, uh, Pat, you were talking about the di the discount, and you actually mentioned why there is a discount. It's because he plays for the Jets. I simply yeah. don't know which of these receivers to draft. I know it's just not going to be Corey Davis. I have no clue who to draft out of uh, Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson. I know Garrett mm -hmm. Wilson is uh, cheaper. Uh, I mean, Elijah Moore, man, he hit the ground running last year. And I'm talking about with Mike White. Mike, the great white right. hype. They hit, he hit the ground running with him, man. So, I mean, I, Chris Salave, if you're going to talk about compare them, talking about them talent-wise, I'm going to – go with you there but based on their situations like the the jets man they they gotta show me some because you got Brees hall there too now you got Brees hall and that that's mm -hmm. gonna obviously be the guy who uh take a line share to touch it simply because he's a uh a running back but i'm just uh i'm i'm definitely down to take one of these jets receivers i just don't know which one yeah i i think that's uh a pretty sharp point and kind of reminds me of uh of the 49ers last year a little bit where it's like how is this going to work how are, how are these guys going to uh -huh. hit and they didn't hit together but Debo Samuel smashed so you know maybe Elijah Moore's the Samuel here and I'm pumping the the uh the Brandon Ayuk bags but I think you know you you want both guys maybe you don't want them together as much as you might want some other teams because it's pretty difficult to imagine Zach Wilson supporting two really high-end fantasy weapons I think we can get a little yeah. creative and a little imaginative this time of year but that's a little much but maybe if you've got Brees Hall, you tack on an Elijah Moore or a Garrett Wilson because you're betting on the offense. And, and we could see Hall and one of the wide receivers hit together. So I think a little bit like Denver last year where you're kind of like, one of these guys going to be good, but I don't know which one. Maybe maybe just go with one guy or, or San Francisco last year. I, that's kind of where I'm at with him. I, I, uh, I do like Elijah Moore somewhat. I think he's maybe a little bit overpriced, but I still draft him. People will either pick... Pick People your guy. pick Sutton or Judy because you got to pick one guy. Or definitely last year, you had to pick one guy. You got yeah. a little more leverage now, Russell Wilson. But yeah, I get you. You don't have to like go all in on one guy this year. It's just, I think in that draft, you're like, well, it's going to be more, you know, for this draft. And you can mix it up between drafts. Got to go back to the phrase you just said a minute ago. I hate that it's become a thing. I hope I'm not holding the Brandon Ayuk here. I, I'm just like <laughs> so crushing that that's now how we talk about Ayuk after our high hopes last year. Uh, well, he said, I mean, he's going uh, in kind of the same range. Uh, so, you know, there's there's hope. Maybe he'll rebound. Yeah, that's a, that's definitely a conversation for another day. But I, I am curious. I am curious to pick you guys' brains about some of last year's disappointments. But, Kyle, let's go to the receiver that you brought to the table here, and it is, I believe, a receiver. Who do you have? Rashad Bateman going at 60 almost on the dot in uh, underdog drafts. Like, th that's a number that's going to rise. Like, I know the types of players we talk about on these shows that other people talk about. The super productive in college, second-year receiver with just a runway wide open of targets is a guy that rises throughout the summer like automatic and i can tell you if you want closing line value in terms of you know if you're thinking of betting on a player's adp he is a player you'll get closing line value on and it makes sense as i said he has 18 breakout 18 breakout age 80th percentile dominator rating in college this was at a power five school and he can play both inside and outside they mixed him up a bit last year and as a sophomore in college he led the nation in yards per route run while playing on the outside like he has a lot of the trappings the size the yards per route run the the athleticism of a true number one receiver the only way you can knock him is say it's a run first offense and that is fair but it's a run first offense where if he's not the number one receiver is it like Devin Duvernay, Tylen Wallace, I don't know. And I'm going to bet on the guy every single time who just has a, a sterling college profile. And last year, sure, like I think he put up like just 500 yards or something. He also missed the entire offseason, the beginning of the start of the season because of a core muscle surgery. And he didn't get up to a really a full-time role until it was week 15. It's the first time, I think it was week 15, he crossed a 70% snap share. They weren't using him like you would get to use a player who was there in the offseason because he wasn't there. So I'm willing to bet on the awesome profile and the perfect landing spot in terms of available targets pretty much every time. And I know drafters will as the summer goes on. 
I mean, yeah, we saw Bateman, and he did still have some flashes, Kyle, even despite all that. He had a seven-catch, 103-yard game. He had a six-catch, 80-yard game. I think he had a 10-target game late in the season with seven catches, so uh, he still had his moments. Uh, Karain or Lawrence, either of you guys have Rashad Bateman-related thoughts? I love Bateman, but the pushback is that this is a Mark Andrews team. You know, that they're just going to funnel targets through Mark Andrews, and we know that uh, Lamar Jackson loves throwing to Mark Andrews, Huntley loved throwing to Mark Andrews and Bateman did not play particularly well last year. Didn't our targets that well. So you could see targets really flow through Mark Andrews. So the Ravens, you know, after kind of doing some weird stuff where he wasn't running all the routes to begin his career, he's splitting time with Hayden Hurst. Like they get it. They get what they have in Mark Andrews now. And so you're potentially not really seeing like a true number one target share from the, the quote wide receiver one here. Because uh, Mark Andrews is almost the wide receiver one. So I, I do think that Bateman, like Bateman's a secondary option, right? Like Mark Andrews will lead this team in targets. Do you guys agree with that? Yeah, I would. Th- it sounds like I think it's closer than than you would, just based on the fact that like, uh, like, like you can't give everything to Mark Andrews, right? There's only so much target share you could push his way. And then when you're looking at the rest of the pie, if you're just doing the projections, like where are you giving it to? Are you you're probably not giving it to the running backs? They don't throw the running backs that much. You're pro- hopefully you're not giving, I don't know, maybe you're giving it Tylen Wallace or something. So yeah, I still think I, I would say Mark Andrews leads the team in, in targets, but there's that still leaves so much on the table. Uh, and I, I'm not sure I see a player talented enough that isn't Rashad Bateman to take a, a chunk of that. Yeah, really. Kyle, um, when, when you came out with, with this pick, uh, I was actually like, damn, I should have thought it was myself because I've been drafting him. Uh, in fact, he's my wide receiver 15 and redraft this season. That's how much I'm rolling with Rashad Bateman. Lamar Jackson does love uh, targeting Mark Andrews. That is his guy. Last season, though, you know, Mark Andrews was averaging a healthy over uh, eight and a half targets per game with Lamar. That number rose to 11 with uh, Tyler Huntley. Now, Marquise Brown, on the other hand, who's now gone, he leaves 146 targets on the board. And so that's going to be, you know, Rashad Bateman, who is, uh, you know, shout out to Hollywood Brown. Love him too, but Rashad Bateman is the better player. And like you said, Kyle, a true alpha uh, number one receiver. And, uh, it may, it may be a run-first offense, but let's not forget this Ravens offense produced two 1,000-yard pass catchers in Mark Andrews and, and Hollywood Brown. Uh, so it, it's mm-hmm. there. It can be had. So all, all the, 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 the reason his ADP is where it is it be, is because the thought process is, oh, run first. Well, people aren't thinking about how they had two 1,000-yard receivers at the same time, so if, if Hollywood Brown could produce those numbers, uh, that that's very much in the realm of possibility uh, to do for Rashad Bateman, and and I'm getting this dude in every draft. Yeah, and I'd even push back a little bit on it just being a pure uh, Mark Andrews offense. We actually saw Marquise Brown have a higher target share by, I think, less than a percent, right? They're in the same ballpark. But they were basically dead even on targets. Uh, Mark Andrews edged him out by like seven or something like that because he played one more game, right? So they were, you know, the, the twin wide receiver ones, right? Every other week, it's one of them. Mark Andrews is much more efficient. He was incredible last year. And I don't think Rashad Bateman fits the same type of role that Marquise Brown plays. So I'm not saying that I think Marquise, uh, that, uh, that uh, Bateman leads the team in targets, right? But I, I think based on what we saw last year, it could be closer than we expect from um, well, cer- the split we saw. Yeah, He certainly has a chance to lead the team in targets, to, to your point. Um, Brown probably would have. And Brown also like wasn't that efficient last year. It 1.61 yards yeah. per out run. So like, the bar is maybe not that high for what Bateman has to do, just because to your point on the other receivers, I mean, it is. It's James Prochet, it's, who's like a pure <laughs> slot receiver who wasn't very good. Devin Duvernay, who like they still kind of haven't figured out who he is. He might be a slot receiver yeah. too. Tylen Wallace, who was terrible last year. I mean, he, he didn't really get on the field and it's a limited sample, so that's that's a little unfair, but he was terrible from a yards per hour perspective, like, you know, kind of like Terrace Marshall level. So, like, who else? Who else is going to earn targets if not Bateman at the yeah. wide receiver position? Yeah, I, 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 I do enjoy drafting Bateman. And again, the number Lawrence said, 146 targets. That's a big number, and you just listed the the names, none of whom are going to be stepping into that. Which is crazy because Marquise Brown, you know, he want more targets. And then when it was shown to him that, well, hey, you had 146, then he was like, it's the type of targets. But 
109 of those targets, he was wide open. So what kind of targets you want? I was going to say, yeah, is he like – up his hands, I mean. What, what, where else do you want say, him? Yeah. Like, stop throwing me these deep balls. There's too much pressure. You you want him to run up to you and give you the ball? What do you want him to do? <laughs> but, yeah, man. <laughs> more shovel passes. I need more shovel passes. He wants the Debo role. He, sh- he should have just switched with Debo. Debo's like, I don't want to play running back. And then Marquise Brown's like, all these deep targets, I keep dropping them. All right, that's the end of our list, guys. Anything anyone wants to mention on NBC Sports Edge? Any work coming up or any work that you've just published? What do you got? I have yeah. USFL content coming up in like 24 hours, probably up by the time you hear the show. If not, it's close enough. And uh, both Lawrence and I will be on Battle of the Bets. You can just find that on the NBC Sports Edge uh, betting Twitter account. And I think Lawrence, uh, I think you beat me last week. So congrats on that one. I sound cordial right now. No, I'll try I, and come I, with the smack. I, I, they say I you need to. I think you think. I think you know. <laughs> there we go. I was literally getting into go. like on here. I'm cordial. I, I won't smack talk even on the other show. I, I feel uncomfortable doing it. And of course, Lawrence is like, no, you're you're catching hands. All any, these hands. All these virtual hands. <laughs> I've got. I'm working on the dynasty ranks, you know, and uh, the draft guide. You know, working working on the draft guide this week. Same as these fellas. Draft guide content articles. Be on the lookout, man. That's about it. All right. That's going to do it for us on this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a minute to rate and review us as well. I want to say thanks to everyone for listening and watching live. Corrine, Lawrence, Kyle, thanks, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.